Cats at Night. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. Breaking news, WABC. And on the line with us right now, intrepid investigative journalist extraordinaire, John Solomon of JustTheNews.com. That's JustTheNews.com with that breaking news. What do you have for us, John Solomon? Well, it's three days after the election, and we're still counting in all the same places we were still counting after 2020, Nevada, Arizona, two of the big cases. And, of course, now we're going to have an overtime election in Georgia. Latest, Maricopa County, the largest county in Arizona, has 400,000 ballots still uncounted, but they've begun an audit, even though they haven't finished counting. That has a lot of people scratching their head. But the good news is... How is that possible? How is that possible? It, it, it's, it defies all common sense, but that's what they're doing. They say they want to speed up the process. So the ballots that aren't in doubt, they're going to audit already, and then they'll count the other ones, and then they'll finish the audit. But a lot of people are wondering, why does it take three days to finish the count? And I think uh, there's some good updates, though. We were able to get where the outstanding vote is. We just talked to Carrie Lake just a few moments ago, and she says that she, uh, she believes the remaining vote for her is going to break about 60% her way, and she expects to overtake Katie Hobbs and be declared the victor this weekend. And she believes most of the Republican slate, which is down just a half point to a point, uh, will, will be pulled across the finish line with these late votes that are coming in because they're all day of votes, Republican votes. The only one that's really in doubt is whether Blake Masters, who's a little bit further behind at four or five points, can catch up. But that's a big one in Nevada. We just got an update from Adam Laxalt's campaign. Uh, they expect to have the final votes uh, counted uh, by tomorrow morning and a victor declared. Adam Laxalt, the Republicans, up about 25,000 votes, and the outstanding vote seems to be slightly more Republican than Democrat. And so there's an expectation that he might emerge as the winner. If that happens, uh, then we all eyes are on Georgia in the first week of December because the runoff will determine once again what, what the composition of the U.S. Senate will be. Where do we stand right now as far as the numbers for the Senate and the House? We have 49 certain seats for uh, Republicans, 48 certain seats for Democrats, one outstanding undeclared from election night, which is uh, actually two outstanding from the election night, Arizona and Nevada. Arizona, the Democrats up a lot. Nevada, the Republicans up a little. And then Georgia will automatically be decided in December by the runoff, getting rid of the libertarian. It becomes a two-man race between Raphael Warnock and Herschel Walker. Wow. And uh, we won't know till December 6th, and then maybe even a little bit thereafter. Uh, who takes control? Right. So, That's John Solomon, exactly right. there's this, there is now a lot of blame going towards Trump. What are you hearing on the ground? Is he going to delay his announcement that is expected to happen on the 15th? I don't think so as of right now. The latest update I got is that he's sticking to that plan and hopes to, uh, to make that announcement next Tuesday. Yeah, listen, I think when the smoke clears from this, people are going to find out that the vote actually was uh, a little bit better. There are some unusual candidate conditions that I think have to be reviewed. Candidates do matter. And I think in this election, Republicans won the popular vote, unlike 2020. They won the popular vote um, by quite a bit. But in some races, there were some very significant ticket splitting. Some three, four, five, six, seven point differences between the Republican in a race, uh, a statewide race, and another Republican in a statewide race or in a congressional district. A congressman got a lot of the votes, but the statewide candidate who had trouble connecting with voters did not. 
I think with a little bit of candidate selection dial change, this would have been a much larger election because when you look at the overall vote, Republican preference uh, in statewide and nationwide voting, Republicans won the, the, the uh, overall national count by quite a margin, which normally doesn't happen. So there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic uh, if you're a Republican. The, the candidate selection, I think, came down to a lot of it. And then I think in a few states where abortion matters were on the um, – uh, as, a, as an initiative, a ballot initiative, Democrat voter got drove up a little higher than in other states. Here's a real troubling number for Republicans. This is the number that has to be resolved before 2024. Most of the people I said today, uh, 70% of unmarried women, 70% of unmarried women voted for Democrats in this election. It's the only group out of married and unmarried wow. men and women that voted Democrat, but they voted by... Do we have the racial makeup majority. of those women? 70% of unmarried women voted for Democrats. Do we have the racial right. makeup of it? Uh, we is do it, not yet. We're going to do some cross Is it, is it the abortion issue? Married men. Unmarried men and married women all went Republican this election. That's another sign. That normally doesn't happen in elections. It's much more muddied. So uh, it's that 70% that needs to be addressed by the Republicans. If that's uh, with the um, unmarried women, is that abortion, do you think? Is that is. Did, did, uh, creating that lawsuit that went to the Supreme Court create a banana peel uh, for the Republican Party? Certainly in that demographic, that was one of the issues that unmarried women identified was more important to them than even inflation, whereas other subcategories identified inflation as being more important. In some cases, too, it was purely a situation where uh, women didn't have a connection to one of the candidates. And so women were ticket splitters in a pretty significant way this election. And I think those are two of the big lessons that Republicans have to have a better message and a better connectivity to unmarried women. And two, I think they got to reevaluate a couple of the candidates that got and they remember, Democrats spent a lot of money in the primaries trying to elect the Republican they thought was weaker. They did that in six congressional races. All six of those Republicans lost. The Democrats picked the one they could then defeat. I think that's another thing Republicans are going to have to evaluate after this election. Another thing I read about is that Republicans had more uh, Hispanic candidates that won than ever yes. before. I know we have a minute left. So um, did you hear the same thing? Absolutely. And Hispanic vote broke much more significantly to Republicans. That is one of the storylines that's great. The national vote is great. There's a lot of optimistic signs for Republicans going to 2024. They just got to clean up a couple of these issues like candidate selection and figuring out how to talk to unmarried women. And there's a good recipe for 2024. Well, that's right, because Hispanics, they believe in their faith, their family, their country, their God, and that's not really representative of, of the Democrat Party. But thank you so much, John Solomon of JustTheNews.com. That's JustTheNews.com. Thank you, John. Thanks, guys. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network.